0: Patrick Elias with 2.32 left in the third, and the Devils have taken a 2-1 lead. There's Grossman with a wrist shot, and Bodor snatches it out of midair. Here's 88, Lindroth makes the move, and Lindroth...
1: What is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Trey Matthews. It's Friday, everybody. It's the weekend, and you're going to have a longer weekend this time around because Monday is Labor Day. That's right. Labor Day, you do not have to go to work. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to do any of that because you have an off day, and I hope you guys enjoy it well. So if you had not checked out yesterday's episode, I basically did a two-parter with Nolan Bianchi and Ethan Smith of Locked On Red Wings, and we talked about race issues and worldwide issues issues that was going on in the hockey community and also just what can we do that's bigger than hockey and just more than a game as I've been stating in recent episodes I post onto my show so if you hadn't checked them out or if you're even curious give those episodes a listen now the past few weeks I've been bringing a lot of guest stars and today is no exception this time I have a very special guest so joining me on the show today he is the new play-by-play announcer for the new NHL expansion team the Seattle Kraken it's Everett Fitzhugh Everett will be the first black NHL play-by-play announcer in history. This is just big to have someone of his caliber join me on the show. We're going to be talking about his hockey journey, his opinions on the Seattle Kraken, and just life in general. So I hope you guys enjoy it. But before we bring him in, I just need to warn you guys something. I am low on energy because you know, it's Friday. It's close to the weekend. I'm just yearning just to enjoy this long weekend. So you know what I take? I take a built Bar. So we're going to bring him... Oh wait, wait, wait a second. You don't know what a built Bar is? Let me tell you something something about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Bilt Bar is even more delicious. 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Oh my gosh, this is delicious. I've already had a few when I go out to the gym and they are super healthy too. You're probably thinking, wait a minute, these bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Uh, 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 sounds like an unhealthy Healthy snack. That is not true. As I stated, Bilt Bars are healthy. Bilt Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bilt Bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for a keto diet. And you, yes you, I'm going to make an offer that you can't refuse. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you will get $10 off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off at BiltBar.com. There we go. I repeated it so that way you don't have to rewind it. Go to BiltBar.com and get your Bilt Bars right now. I have two instances that I need to share with you guys. One, I come from a big family, and two, I am in college and I am broke. So sometimes when you're looking for something to eat, you just don't know what you want. Sometimes you want Chinese, sometimes you want pizza, sometimes you want Froyo, sometimes you want this restaurant, sometimes they want the other restaurant, and sometimes when I'm in my college campus dorm, I don't know what I want to eat and I just don't feel like leaving because I got to stay in my dorm and study, thanks to a lot teachers, but you know something, I need food. So what do I do? I use DoorDash. Because with DoorDash, there's always something for everyone. Now, for some of you that might not know, DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Mmm, that all sounds pretty good right now. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left right at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep the community we operate in safe fashion. And I'm about to make an offer that you can't refuse. Yes, you. Yes, you. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKED ON NHL. That's right, $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter the code LOCKEDONNHL. Don't forget, that's the code LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. There we go. I've repeated it like three times so that way you don't forget. Get the DoorDash app and order right away. I'm about to order me a burger after this. All right, my energy is back and I'm ready to go. Let's bring in Seattle Kraken's new play-by-play announcer, Everett Fitzhugh. And joining me via Uber Conference, it's the new play-by-play announcer for the Seattle Kraken. Please welcome Everett Fitzhugh. Everett, how you doing?
0: Hey, Trey, I'm doing well, man. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, I just want to first congratulate you. You are the first black hockey play-by-play announcer ever. And what does that mean to you? Like when you hear that you're the first to ever do something, because only a handful of people can say that.
0: Yeah, man. I I think obviously it's special. You know, it's something that um, I've always told people throughout this whole process. I don't think anyone really ever sets out to be that first, but it's something that if you have an opportunity to, to be the first or to be, you know, the, the trailblazer or or whatever that word may be, I think you owe it to yourself. I think you owe it to the culture, to the sport, you know, to, to help educate and, and, and to help do your part to continue to bring other people up. And, and, um, you know, I, I've been a hockey fan my whole life and, I've known since I was 18 years old in college that I wanted to be in the National Hockey League, that I wanted to be a broadcaster in the NHL. So to be able to to get to this point, you know, at, at such a young age, um, I, I think is is a huge accomplishment, you know, personally for myself. But you know, it, it's something that I'm just I'm really excited to be able to, to do this. And, um, you know, I know that I didn't have a lot of black influences in hockey growing up. So for me to be able to, to be the first, it's something that, like I said, I don't think you ever intend, but it's also a very special opportunity. Right. So I I read online
1: saying that you took inspiration from two players during an Edmonton Oilers and a, a Detroit Red Wings game that you saw two black players playing on the rink and that got you into hockey. Can you elaborate on that more? And I heard that you also told your mother like, hey, hey look, mom, I, I, there's finally two black players who look like me who are who are playing. So like, can you tell us more about that story and what happened?
0: Yeah, no, that that's exactly it. Uh, you know, when I was in third grade, um, a lot of my classmates, um, they were hockey fans. A lot of them played hockey. So for me, I mean, anytime you're you're eight nine years old, you want to fit in, right? You know, so um, I went home and I watched a Red Wings game, and I'd always been a Wings fan just growing up in Detroit, you know. And and when I was born, or when I was coming up rather, it was right around the time the Red Wings were winning, uh, you know, those back to back Stanley Cups, and they were in the process of of that great uh, playoff rivalry with Colorado, so. For me, being a hockey fan, you know, was kind of an easy path just being from where I was. But you still didn't see a lot of black uh, black people in hockey. So I went home one night and, and I watched the Red Wings game so I could learn more about the sport. And I did uh, see uh, Mike Greer and, and George The Rock playing for the Oilers. And, you know, I, I started running through the house. I was like, Mom, Mom, there's two black guys on the Oilers. And, and that was that was really inspirational and really cool for me to see. Um, you know, because like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of influences, uh, black influences, uh, in hockey as a kid. So that was really special. It, it let me know that there is a place for me in this game and, and that hockey is truly for everyone, you know, like, like the NHL says. So, um, a couple of years later, Ansic Carter joins the Edmonton Oilers. So, uh, you had three black players on the same team. So for me, that that was it. I, I was, uh, you know, I was I was on the Edmonton Oiler bandwagon and I was a, a hockey fan for life. So that's where my hockey fandom started. So you, you, you're
1: talking about your hockey fandom. Did you ever have any uh, uh, aspirations to maybe play? Have you ever played like lace up the skates or given it a go at it? Like anything you want to share about that?
0: You know, so I've never, I've never played hockey. Actually, um, you know, mom, uh, mom thought it was a little bit too dangerous growing up, so I didn't play hockey. I played baseball though when I was a kid, um, and actually, I didn't even learn how to skate until I was uh, in college. It was my my fifth year, my last year in college. I learned how to skate. Took a uh, an ice skating class. So that was. Um, you know, that was pretty fun. But also, um I played one game of men's league hockey when I was in uh when I was in college. So, um I was like Bambi out there, uh on the ice. I kept going from blue line to blue line. Uh but I did win seven face offs that game. I was a face off master for that game. So uh that, that that's that's the extent of my hockey career growing up.
1: See, you and I have a lot in common, more than we think, because I'm actually a college baseball player at Adrian College. And, you know, now I'm doing hockey. Now I'm like focused on doing play by play hockey. And, you know, we both grew up in Detroit. So there's another thing we have in, in common, Everett, which is, yeah. you know, we're, we're two uh, baseball players or, you know, you you played baseball. You said growing up now you're in hockey and now now here we are talking about our similar past so uh we first met over the summer over a tweet that I sent out about sharing my story my experience because I I I was only doing it for a few months at the time but but I I still felt like I had a story to share so uh let's go back to I I believe June like what what was your reaction when you saw my story as a black hockey announcer and saying like did, did I just inspire someone for the first time like what was what was the mindset when you saw my tweet i
0: i was really happy man um you know for me uh like i said i never um i i never had those influences growing up and and for me you know for you to be to say that about me it was something that was very humbling and and you know i i i, I never intended to be the first and, and and you never intend to be that inspiration like i said earlier but it's something that I think if you can inspire people, I think you owe it to the, the culture to take that head on. And, and, you know, when I read your story, I was just so excited. I was so happy that there was another black person who wanted to, to get into hockey play-by-play and who wanted to, to, to be in the hockey media world. And, um, you know, I, I've always said that um, I, I hope I'm not and, and I better not be the only uh, I better not be the first for a long time. And, you know, there there better be somebody, you know, right behind me clicking on my heels that I haven't met yet or, or even like a guy like yourself, someone that I do know, you know, that is, is trying to carve their own path and is trying to, to get to, to an NHL press box as well. So when I read your story, man, I, I was just so, I was inspired myself because someone who You know, you even admitted you didn't have the hockey knowledge. You weren't the biggest hockey fan, but you took it upon yourself to learn the game and you were passionate about doing it. So that's what I thought was really, really cool about your story um, and about learning more about you.
1: Right. And I appreciate that. And, you know, the reason uh, the, the reason, you know, I have to tell the truth and just come clean and say, like, I didn't know hockey at first because the way I see it, I I don't know who would actually go this great length, but if you get that one crazy person who might try to go back onto like my broadcast and just uh, say like, he lied. He, he didn't actually know anything about hockey. He like, he wasn't a fan. Like, you know, the the way I see it is like, sometimes you just got to be vulnerable with yourself and just, you know, come clean and just uh, that. And that's what I want to inspire to people. Just, just like, you know uh, you got to be, 100 percent honest otherwise they will the media will expose you because the media can either be your best friend or your worst nightmare have you ever experienced something like that where you know maybe the media was trying to like you know bring you down or something like that or just say like you know put you to the side like and do you have any words of uh, wisdom you
0: know i i think for me um I, i haven't personally been put in that situation now as you know as a pr director for a couple of teams. I mean, I've dealt with my fair share of media crises, that's for sure. But you know, personally, you know, I, I haven't ever experienced anything like that. Um, because of what you said, you know, you you work hard and and you're honest about it. And I think for me, you know, my my career has taken me to a lot of great places, and my career has taken me, you know, down a path that I I wouldn't trade for the world. It's it's been a long path. There've been you know, a few stops on the way and, and I've had a blast everywhere that I've been. But um, everywhere that I've gone is always been about trying to get better. Um, you know, when I was in college and I, I started broadcasting um, at Bowling Green, it was great. And I thought this was the life. I thought that I was going to show up every day forever and uh, and and call games. But it wasn't until I started looking for jobs that I realized everything else that goes into being a broadcaster you know when i was in cincinnati broadcasting was really 20 percent of my job there's pr there's marketing there's the social media side of it there is the team services side of it i was in charge of doing all of our travel and planning the hotels the buses and the schedules and things like that so there is so much that goes into this job. Um, you know, I remember when I was, when I was graduating college, I was applying for a radio position with a team out in California. Um, and it was between myself and another guy and, um, both of us really talented broadcasters and, and the other guy got the job. He's actually still with that team today. Um, and the reason why was because, uh, you know, he had at the time, the PR experience. He knew how to run a website. He knew how to put together game notes and write a press release and things like that. In college, I'd always had sports information directors to do that for me. So being able to learn everything that you need in order to do this job, I think, was huge. So I mean I I think that's the lesson that I would impart on people who are trying to, to get into this industry. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough, but you're going to have a lot of fun. Um and also too it's okay, uh, in, in some circumstances, to not be okay. Uh, there have been so many times, you know, when when you're loading bags at three a.m. in Kalamazoo on a Sunday in, in February, where you're just saying man do i really want to keep doing this you know every year everybody seems to have those those dog days if you will where you know maybe you start to put things in perspective but you remember the the struggles and you remember the path that you've been on in your journey and the sacrifices that you've made And it's something where you say to yourself, you know what, this is all going to be worth it. This is all going to pay off in the end. So I think those are the two biggest pieces of advice that I would give is, is like you said, make sure you're honest and make sure you're learning and and you're doing everything you can to put yourself in a position to succeed. And also, it's all right to have those down days. It's all right to to second guess yourself as long as um, you realize that the journey that you're on, the path and, and the sacrifice sacrifices that that you've made up to this point are all going to be worth it
1: ever for two joining me on locked on devils the play-by-play announcer for the seattle kraken you just spoke about uh the the hats you had to wear and the amount of hard work you had to do to get to where you're at and that's what a lot of people don't seem to realize they think you're you know you you were just an announcer that you worked your way up but there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that people didn't know and that's one of the things I always talk about if you want to be successful it takes way more than just wanting it you got to put in the work you got to put in the time you got to put in the effort and the patience as well to uh, get to where you're at and you' you're a great example because the stuff you you said I didn't even know about like I did I knew you were a, a PR director but I didn't know you did like some of the other stuff that you uh, that you mentioned so uh, that that's just great advice to to have to a to a to a person just saying like you know if you want to be successful that's fine but it takes way more than just wanting it and uh let's uh go backwards a little bit let's talk about uh let's talk about high school and, how, and what led to Bowling Green State University so where would you go to high school in Ann Arbor again yeah I went to Ann Arbor Pioneer High School all right so did you do broadcast for their uh high school team uh did they have a hockey team so like what what was the story of you in high school and hockey?
0: You know, I didn't. Uh, they had a hockey team. Uh, so I, I went to a couple of games for the hockey team just as a fan and, you know, as school of pride. But also um, a, in Ann Arbor, we had at the time the National Team Development Program, which was where the top um, 17 and 18 year old players in America play their college, play their uh, junior hockey. So those kids went to my school as well. So I was able to talk to a few of those guys and actually a couple of guys who made uh, the NHL, Jamie McBain, who spent some time in Carolina and Buffalo. Him and I were pretty good friends. Uh, Mike Ratchuk who uh, had a cup of coffee in the NHL with the Flyers and um, is, has been in the minors and, and has been over Europe as well. Um, him and I were, were classmates together too. So I didn't broadcast in 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 high school, and actually, what took me to Bowling Green is that I knew that all you know, growing up, I knew that I wanted to a career in sports. I knew that I wanted to work in sports, and that it would be something that I would enjoy to do. But I didn't necessarily know what that was and and what I wanted to do. Um, I honestly didn't even know that play by play was an option. Um, you know, I I thought I was gonna be Stuart Scott, you know, on the ESPN uh sports center desk and, and that was something that I really wanted to do as a kid. But, you know, I chose Bowling Green because having that passion for sports and and knowing that I wanted to work in sports, I wanted to go to a school that had all four sports at the Division One level. So bowling green, baseball, hockey, basketball, and football, I had plenty of options uh, to to pursue a career in sports. I'd applied for a few other schools in Michigan and and you know regionally, but when I started narrowing down my list and and started to to reevaluate, Bowling Green kept coming up and and I think it was it was the perfect decision for me. Um, again, like I said, not only because they had all four sports, but they were a Division one school. It was close enough to home where I could get home if I needed to. I wasn't too far away. Uh, but also, I, I got that feeling of being on my own. I could be an adult, um, make my own friends, and not have to worry about running into to mom at the mall every other weekend. So um, <laughs> that 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 went into it as well. And and also, you know, Bowling Green it was an opportunity. And and this was unbeknownst to me at the time. But having gone through it and 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 you know, knowing what I do now, Bowling Green was a great place for for opportunities because it was so small it was a division one school that there were plenty of volunteer positions for the athletic department there was a lot of student involvement with the bowling green radio sports organization which is where i got introduced to broadcasting in the first place so you go to michigan and michigan state and notre dame and, and all these big schools they um they outsource a lot of the broadcasting and, and, you know, there's a wait list to to do these things. But for me, there were opportunities from my freshman year to be a broadcaster at Bowling Green. So I didn't know that going in, but I I made the perfect decision because it gave me all the reps. It gave me all the opportunity that I needed in order to establish myself and pursue a career in sports.
1: See, I didn't know Bowling Green State uh, University offered that to their students because uh, one of the things I like about my college, Adrian College, is that it gives students the opportunities to do things that you couldn't do at a uh, major school like Michigan yep. or Michigan State. Uh, so, like, I work for ACTV and, you know, doing all this is just like I, I couldn't do this at a big school. I couldn't even do this at the University of Detroit Mercy because... Uh, You know, I worked there as a ball boy for like seven years. At uh, one year, they had Dan Dickerson, who is the uh, play-by-play announcer for Detroit Tigers radio. Yeah, he did uh, the play-by-play for their basketball game. So it goes to show you the seriousness of, uh, of you know, how they take their broadcast. They hire professionals like, you know, guys who have past experience. Uh, Matt Derry, who's also a part of the Locked On uh, podcast network he does locked on lions he did a uh, play-by-play for udm eastern michigan university as well so goes to show you that you know at, at, a, at my school like adrian college it, it gives people the opportunity to do what i'm doing because it allows me to make mistakes and you know uh to to just experiment and just try new things because i'll admit and i'll be honest with myself after my first broadcast if i was to do that at like a big school even at Bowling Green State University that does allow their students to do this, they'd probably be like to me, you're not announcing again. You're done.
0: You know, I, I was in the same boat, man. I-, I-, I look back on some of my old tapes and, and some of my old games and-, and I ask myself, I'm like, man, how the heck did I trick you guys into into letting me keep this job? <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they- that- that's the thing, you know, schools and organizations, they realize and they understand the importance of of teaching students and wanting to grow and and wanting their students to learn and and for me, you know, it's it's like I said, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to to not be your best as long as you're continuing to try and you're continuing to get better and. and I did some high school hockey play-by-play. I've since burned those tapes, but I used that high school hockey play-by-play tape to become the broadcaster for Bowling Green, uh, the, the full-time play-by-play announcer for Bowling Green my senior year. So, um, you know, I were there other candidates out there? Were there better candidates out there? I'm sure there were, but they put a value and a premium on students learning the craft and, and, you know, uh, doing and and learning by doing, and, and I think that is what was so huge for me at BG.
1: Yeah, I I we at Adrian College Television have my first broadcast buried fifty feet deep in the ocean somewhere. Oh together. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we you know what that was an awful game, and I'll admit it. But you know, it, it's not where you start how you finish and I think you and I are good examples of it just or any broadcaster in general no, no announcer gets it 100% correct yeah, the wow. only the only way that can happen is maybe in a video game because yeah. I remember watching uh the the Flyers and the Blackhawks uh I believe it was game seven Patrick Kane scores the game winning goal for the uh, Blackhawks to win the Stanley Cup and Doc Emmerich made a mistake it was a it wasn't just a call it was a history call because he didn't, yeah. see the, he didn't see the puck and, you know, he, uh, he thought that it ricocheted off the, uh, the post and, you know, he was continuing to play. And then he saw the celebration and was like, oh, no, they, they score. Like, you know, and, you know, I, I, I sent it to my group chat for Adrian College Television because I was watching the, uh, the, the replay of the game uh, on NHL television. And I was like, hey, even legends make mistakes. Here's Doc Emmerich's mistake.
0: Yeah. And I've made so many mistakes, man, you know, and, and here in Cincinnati, the, uh, our staff never misses an opportunity to, to, to joke on one another. You know, we, we are a very close staff and, you know, I, I, these are going to be my friends for life, but we hold each other accountable, you know, we're we're all brothers on the road. So, you know, it's it's one of those things we're like, man, Everett, you really messed up that one today, did you? I'm like, Yeah, I wasn't too proud of that one. So, you know, but and and it's funny you say that too, because um, you know, during this whole process I've been very, very fortunate to speak to a lot of broadcasters and, and folks who've reached out to me, and Doc Emmerich was one of them. And he was telling me stories about how, you know, even now, after you know, however many years—thirty, forty, some odd years of broadcasting for Doc Emrick on on the, the the sports biggest stage, he says I still make mistakes. You know, I, I still have gotten a few calls right or wrong, and it's okay. You know, it, it, like you said, no one's perfect, and um. you you, this game moves so fast um, that you know you're expected to to make a couple of mistakes here or there and you know as as long as the good far outweighs the bad you're going to be okay
1: right and you know we we do the same thing at ACTV which is you know you really drop the ball on that one or here's where you made a mistake and here's how you can prove (laughs) it Uh, but you know uh, it happens it's life we it's it's all love at the end and uh, what goes around comes around when we make fun of each other. But anyway, yeah. I want to, I want to touch on just a couple more things. So, uh, talk about your, I, I, I'm not sure if we've touched on this or not already, but talk about, uh, your, your time for Cincinnati do, in terms of a play-by-play announcer. So like, what, what are some of your greatest memories with, them? how did you get the job in the first place? What's the story behind that?
0: Yeah, no, Cincinnati was great, man. This was, uh, You know, without Cincinnati, this opportunity I think doesn't happen, and and I can say that about a lot of places. I mean, Bowling Green obviously is one, and um, you know, but Cincinnati really. This was the first time that I got experience, um, consistent experience on a on a larger scale with working in a a major market, working in PR, working in broadcasting. So all of the skills that I've learned here, I think, really helped me directly when it came to getting the job in uh in seattle and you know the last five years have been fantastic and 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 the fan base here is passionate for those people who don't know a lot about cincinnati you know we're a major league sports town there's uh the Bengals of the nfl who play right down the street from us the oldest baseball team in in the majors the cincinnati reds are literally right next door you can throw a baseball into the stadium from our front door of the arena uh, you've got a brand new mls team you've got two division one uh, basketball schools in the university of cincinnati and xavier you've got louisville in kentucky right down the road basketball and football ohio state a couple hours up the road and then high school football is king here so you know there there is a lot of noise and a lot of options in terms of athletics here in this area so to be able to, to keep the cyclones from a PR standpoint at the forefront was was one of my biggest accomplishments here and and making folks listen and care about the cyclones and something that I really enjoyed doing. From a broadcasting perspective, it was a lot of fun because, you know, it's pro hockey. And even though it's the ECHL And it's minor league hockey, you're still a professional broadcaster. Um and and that was always the goal, to get the pros, to get to the NHL. And in order to get to the NHL, you gotta start somewhere. So being able to to be in the professional, you know, leagues and the minor leagues and do this was a lot of fun. Um, as far as my memories go, I, I mean Anytime you have a big crowd in the building is is unbelievable. And and like I said earlier, you know, broadcasting was twenty percent of my job. I, I did a lot of PR, a lot of marketing, um, you know, social media and all that stuff. So I had just as much of a hand in, you know, the promotion of events and marketing of events as as anyone else did. So when we're doing specialty theme nights, throwback nights, when we're doing Disney and Marvel nights and we're packing 10,000 fans into the building. We, we did a 16,000 uh fan game uh my first year here and that was so cool to be a part of. Uh every year we do a teddy bear toss in which you know, we we are routinely averaging 12 13,000 fans in the building and to be able to be a part of events like that, you know, you just feed off that energy And, and some of the best broadcasts I've ever had in my entire life have come, you know, win or lose in front of some of those big games here in Cincinnati. So I think for me that that's what I'm going to remember most about the Cyclones and my time here is all of the things I learned, all of the hat I had to wear and, you know, you'll be here soon one day, Trey, you know, you're going to be in the ECHL and the AHL and, and and working your way up also. And, you know, you're going to have to wear 15 different hats. Sometimes you're going to have to wear 15 different hats in a day. Um, but I, I guarantee you it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and I had a lot of fun here. And, you know, people have asked me, you know, what's my favorite memory? There's way too many to, to put down just one. But I just think the overall experience that I had here and, and learning – that is what I'm going to miss most about, about Cincinnati. I
1: I appreciate the uh, support. I, I do hope to get there like sometime after college, but uh, my question is how did you get the job out of Bowling Green State University? Did you like apply? Did, did you send in tape? Like what, what was the story?
0: So, actually, I got the job here in Cincinnati after I was in Youngstown. So, once I left college at Bowling Green, um, I sent out tapes and applications and resumes everywhere, but no one was hiring at the time. So, I actually got out of sports for about six months, Um, and then a friend of mine told me about an opportunity in Chicago with the United States Hockey League, the USHL, which is the top junior league in the in the country, so I worked for their league office, um, doing marketing, communications, social media. Um, I was there for a year and a half, like I said. Then I went to Youngstown for the Phantoms, which is a team in the USHL. So I I kind of went backwards. Some people will go from the team level to the league office level. I went from the league office level back to the team level um, because I wanted to to do broadcasting. I wanted to get behind the microphone again. So I went to Youngstown, was there for a year. um, And then Cincinnati's uh, job opened, and, and I found out about it through one of my friends and colleagues and Another lesson that a lot of folks will learn is it's not necessarily what you know, it's it's who you know in this industry. So um, the broadcaster that I took over for at Bowling Green when he graduated, his name was Bob Mills. Uh, and he was the, at the time, the broadcaster for the Orlando Solar Bears. He knew the outgoing broadcaster here in Cincinnati, um, called him up and, and said, Hey, I got a guy for you. So I, I sent my resume to him. Um, and he made sure that, uh, it got in front of, uh, my future boss, uh, my, our GM. And she gave me a phone call and we went through the interview process and, uh, you know, a couple of interviews later, that's how I got it. So, you know, it, it was off of a recommendation through a friend of mine. But uh, I did send in a resume, I sent in a demo tape sent in some um, different feature pieces that I do because, again, it's more than just broadcasting. It's about content. It's about your writing. How well can you write? So I sent writing samples in. I sent in a few YouTube videos and some features that I helped produce when I was at the USHL office. And I think all of that really helped me get the job here in Cincinnati.
1: So for anyone watching, aspiring to be a broadcaster, just replay everything he said because that's (laughs) that's how... that's the process of how you, tr- you work your way up the ladder. And like I said, takes more than just wanting it. Sometimes you have to wear so many different hats. So if you think you're stressed out now, uh, as a broadcaster, uh, you, you haven't met my friend Everett, So uh, well, and
0: networking too. make sure you network, make sure you know as many people as you can. And, you know, a lot of folks sometimes are, are, are very wary when it comes to reaching out to people. And, you know, I've always said if people didn't want to be contacted, if people didn't want to help you, they wouldn't have offered their car. They wouldn't have said, give me a call. So, you know, if you ever meet a broadcaster, if you ever meet someone who does what you do at a higher level um ask them you know hey i'd love to pick your brain i'd love an opportunity to sit down and talk with you some guys i've met and and i still continue to do the same thing um some guys i've met you know are threatened by it there have been a couple of broadcasters that i've talked to at different levels in the past who who aren't about it but everyone else has been like absolutely i'd love to to listen to your tape I I'd love to to talk to you about some things so you know if if people weren't sincere about that they wouldn't offer that to you so make sure to take that into consideration as well
1: and I'm living proof because I just sent him a Twitter message and here we are now now he's on my yeah. podcast though know, a show that I wouldn't have if it wasn't for him so I appreciate him for that
0: Oh man that was all you man that was all you and your hard work and dedication so <laughs>
1: All right, listeners, let me level with you for a second. Talking about erectile dysfunction is never easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, oh, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it all together with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm not just feeling it. Uh, I'm watching the New Jersey Devils game. Uh, Can we just cuddle instead? But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you could get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. How do I get started? You might be asking. Well, it's simple. Just go to getroman.com/xxx and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be so tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Again, go to getroman.com slash locked on NHL today. If approved, you'll get fifteen dollars off of your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash locked on NHL. You know how we do it on the show. Usually I repeat my advertisement so that way you don't have to rewind it and so that way you get the point. Go to getroman.com slash locked on NHL. I appreciate it. All right. Last thing I want to talk about. Let's talk about the Seattle Kraken. The 30-second expansion team to the NHL. They will hit the ice in a full calendar year. What can you tell us about about Seattle right now? Like, what are you allowed to say?
0: Well, I can tell you this, man. Um, The Kraken are extremely passionate from the organization, from the city, everyone involved with that team, is just so excited to bring the NHL to Seattle. Um, there have been a couple of failed expansion opportunities and attempts in the past for Seattle. So for them to be able to get this team now after so many years and decades of trying um, is, is amazing. Um, everyone that I've talked to in the front office there that I've worked with, I just had my first day on the job. Um, and, and everyone is so nice and welcoming and kind um, it's been a really, really fun experience. And, and that's the really cool thing about the organization As I think they're trying to fundamentally change the way that we consume hockey and just the way that you build an organization. Their commitment to diversity, racial diversity, gender diversity is something that, you know, we haven't seen in hockey before. And the NHL has done a really good job over the past couple of years in, in trying to, draw attention to the need for diversity and and their initiatives and and obviously i think that there's still a long way to go and seattle is one of those teams who is trying to help carry that baton and i really think they're putting the nhl on notice i i think what they're doing is saying that you need different voices and different backgrounds and viewpoints in order to to have a a good solid organization so what they're building there is great. I mean, there's so many different plans and things that we've been talking about for content and, and ways to go about it. They're still building the arena. They're still getting their broadcast deal figured out. And, and there's a lot of different, you know, maybe wrinkles that they may throw in there. So there's a lot of different things that, that, that are going to go into this organization that when we do start playing next year, you know, people are going to really be in awe and amazed at just how, um community focused how um fan focused this team is and the organization is and then also just all the things that they're trying to do in order to change the way that we consume the game
1: and you have to keep an ear out for Everett FitzHugh next year for the Seattle kraken release the kraken am i right everett
0: release the kraken exactly man that's uh that's going to be the i i have to imagine that's going to be the slogan for the first year or maybe may, I mean we got a great marketing team, so maybe there's something else out there. But I, I think release the Kraken is that low hanging fruit. So uh, it's it's going to be a, a, an amazing a, amazing year leading into it, and then obviously once uh, we do start playing.
1: So I would like to thank my guest Ever FitzHugh for appearing on Locked On Devils. He is the new play by play announcer for the Seattle Kraken. Keep an ear out for him in one calendar year, and also check out new updates for the Seattle Kraken. And one day, Everett, there will be a Locked On Seattle Kraken podcast in the next few months, hopefully.
0: Looking forward to it, man. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, congratulations on all of your success. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, you and I are going to be in opposing NHL booze one of these days.
1: I hope so. That's 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 the dream. And, you know, just be trailblazers of the sport and inspiration. So, But, you know, you're the first to do it, and I admire
0: that. Thanks, man. This has been a pleasure. I appreciate it. I would like to
1: thank my guest ever FitzHugh for appearing on the show, and also best of luck to him as he embarks on his journey to Seattle to get ready for the Seattle Kraken, coming to a television and or radio station near you in the up-and-coming calendar year. So keep an ear out for that. And that's all the time I have for you guys today, so continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day, New Jersey. I will catch you on Monday. Happy Early Labor Day.